Hello, this is Dorothy. In addition to the weekly format of this podcast in which I offer practical and spiritual wisdom that I lovingly share with you each Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am so excited to offer a second format of amazing content. It's called Ask Dorothy. These episodes reveal the inner workings of what really happens inside a session of therapy and life coaching with me. Here I dive into the richness of content that each client brings to our sessions and how we best navigate what insights, teachings, solutions, and of course, healing and wholeness abounds. I know that listening will offer you much wisdom and guidance in the ways that bring to life what you need and also how to implement the best practices and teachings that I share to honor all of what you seek and all of what you are becoming. In each of the Ask Dorothy episodes, you will also hear my candid observations and commentary and the process for how we arrive in a place of harmony, relief, clarity, understanding, and the true change that happens in each and every session because of a client's willingness to grow, to evolve, to move beyond their comfort zone and into the revelation of what they already know, what they learn to be capable of, and what they desire most for their life. My job is always to support a client's progress and to provide the right tools and best therapeutic practices to ensure that each client will reach their goals, including to be all that they wish to become. I hope you'll enjoy the Ask Dorothy series as an opportunity to have the knowledge and insight of what we can do together. If you have a question that needs my love and helpful guidance, please write to me. All right, so let's jump into this episode and ask Dorothy. Have you ever felt anxious or awkward in social settings? I explained to my client, Kara, that social anxiety is an experience that happens to us all. An invitation to a party, work, colleagues that you know fairly well, but there is also a room of other people that you will have only just met. You arrive late and after a long shift at work, but in honesty, you've been procrastinating as you got ready and secretly hoped that you could maybe just blow the party off, except you do want to go. When you arrive, everyone is already seated around a large dinner table, eating, talking, laughing, and now all eyes are on you. You have difficulty breathing and making eye contact as the host introduces you to each person around the table. You wish you stayed home, but everyone seems so friendly. Well, maybe everyone except her, the woman that is staring you up and down. You've forgotten what you've just said to a question someone has asked, and you don't know where you should sit, and is that an open seat, and why is this so difficult? These are some of the rapid-fire thoughts that cross your mind as your heart is racing, 
pounding so loud that your own voice seems inaudible. You feel self-conscious. You should have worn the other outfit you had lying on your bed. You dressed up way too much compared with everyone else. What have you gotten yourself into? When does social anxiety become a problem? It is normal to feel anxious in social situations from time to time. For example, many people feel anxious in job interviews or when they give a formal speech. Social anxiety can be a problem when it becomes too intense or happens too often. When it does occur, social anxiety can cause significant distress and affect many aspects of a person's life, including work and school. For example, problems interacting with bosses or coworkers, trouble asking and answering questions in meetings or classes, refusing job promotions, avoiding certain types of jobs or career paths, poor performance at work or school, decreased enjoyment of work or school. In relationships, for example, difficulty developing and keeping friendships and romantic relationships, trouble opening up to others, difficulty sharing opinions. In recreational activities and hobbies, for example, to avoid trying new things, avoid taking classes or lessons. Avoid activities that involve interacting with others, such as going skiing or to the gym. And day-to-day activities, for example, difficulty completing routine tasks, such as going grocery shopping, going out to eat, taking the bus, asking for directions. Anxiety can trigger what is called our F3, our fight, flight, or freeze response, which is the body's automatic built-in response system designed to protect us from threat or danger. The F3 system also results in changes in your body that help you to prepare to defend yourself. These changes can include rapid heartbeat and rapid breathing. When your body is preparing itself for action, it makes sure enough blood and oxygen are circulated to your major muscle groups and essential organs. This enables you to run away or fight off danger. Sweating. Sweating cools the body. As a survival mechanism, sweating also makes the skin more slippery and difficult for an attacking animal or person to grab hold of you. Nausea and stomach upset. When faced with danger, the body shuts down systems and processes that are unnecessary for survival. That way it can direct energy to functions that are critical for survival. Digestion is one of the processes that isn't needed at times of danger. Because of this, anxiety may lead to feelings of stomach upset, nausea, or diarrhea. Feeling dizzy or lightheaded. Because our blood and oxygen goes to our major muscle groups when we are in danger, we breathe much faster to move oxygen toward those muscles. However, this can cause hyperventilation, 
that is too much oxygen from rapid breathing to prepare the body for action, which can make you feel dizzy or lightheaded. Also, since most of your blood and oxygen are going to your arms and legs for fight or flight, there's a slight decrease of blood to the brain which can make you dizzy. This isn't at all dangerous. Tight or painful chest. Because your muscles tense up as your body prepares for danger, your chest may feel tight or painful when you take in large breaths. Numbness and tingling sensations. Hyperventilation, which is taking in too much oxygen, can cause numbness and tingling sensations. The tingling sensations may also relate to the fact that the hairs on our bodies often stand up when faced with danger to increase our sensitivity to touch or movement. Finally, fingers and toes may also feel numb or tingly as blood flows away from places where it's not needed, for example, our fingers, and towards major muscle groups where it is needed, for example, biceps and legs. Bright vision. When responding to danger, our pupils dilate to let in more light and to ensure that we can see clearly. This reaction makes our environment look brighter or fuzzier, and sometimes less real. And finally, heavy legs. As our legs prepare for action, that fight-or-flight response, increased muscle tension and blood flow to these muscles can cause a heavy sensation. The F3 system, fight, flight, or freeze, is critical to our survival from true threat or danger. But what happens when there is no real danger? Interestingly, anxiety can also trigger this system into action when we believe there is threat or danger, even if there isn't. For example, you may yell at your partner for bugging you about applying for a promotion when you believe you're not qualified. A fight response. Or you may leave early from a new activity because you don't feel comfortable around unfamiliar people. That's a flight response. Or you may feel as though your mind goes blank when a stranger asks you a question. Freeze response. These are examples of anxiety triggering the F3 alarm, even though these situations aren't really dangerous. We call this a false alarm. Social anxiety disorder, also known as social phobia, is one of the most common anxiety disorders. People with social anxiety disorder tend to feel quite nervous or uncomfortable in social situations and report feeling a constant and overwhelming fear or anxiety about being scrutinized or humiliated in social situations and that others will think badly of them. The criteria for a diagnosis of social anxiety disorder is based on a number of prevailing symptoms that persist for at least six months. This fear causes significant distress or impairment in day-to-day -day functioning. I'll leave a link with all of the criteria for diagnosing social anxiety disorder in the description. 
this fear causes significant distress or impairment in day-to-day functioning. Fears may be associated with social interactions, being observed and or performing. Examples include meeting strangers, dating, and participating in small groups or playing sports. Social interactions may cause the following physical symptoms. Blushing, excessive sweating, trembling or shaking, difficulty speaking, stomach upset, dizziness or lightheadedness, and rapid heart rate. Also, symptoms of social anxiety may not occur in all situations. You can have limited or selective anxiety. For example, symptoms may only occur when you're eating in front of people or talking to strangers. Symptoms can occur in all social settings if you have an extreme case. And so what is a social situation? Well, it's a situation in which you and at least one other person are present. Social situations tend to fall into two main categories, performance situations and interpersonal interactions. Performance situations are where people feel they are being observed by others. Examples include public speaking, for example, presenting at a meeting, participating in meetings or classes, such as asking or answering questions, eating in front of others, using public washrooms, writing in front of others, such as signing a check or filling out a form, performing in public, singing or acting on stage or playing a sport, and entering a room where everyone is already seated. And examples of interpersonal interactions, which are situations where people are interacting with others and developing closer relationships. Some examples include meeting new people, talking to coworkers or friends, inviting others to do things, going to social events, such as parties or dinners, dating, being assertive, expressing opinions, talking on the phone, working in a group, such as working on a project with other coworkers, ordering food at a restaurant, returning something at a store, and of course, having a job interview. My client Kara described how she had a perfectly enjoyable conversation at this same dinner party with a man. They talked for over an hour. The conversation flowed easily and they shared many similar views and values. She quoted him as saying, Do you know how difficult it is for many people to have an interesting and substantive conversation? Kara agreed with him. She also told me how good it felt to be able to talk with someone new when she had no expectations. It also helped that this person's personality was such that she felt comfortable and not at all intimidated. After the second date and a long walk in which they spoke for hours, Kara realized that she was starting to really like this person. And that's when the anxiety set in. On their third date, and when she was notably quieter and pensive, he asked if everything was okay. Kara quickly said yes, but inside she was struggling to keep the conversation going. 
She was far less comfortable in her skin and worried that she would mess things up. You can literally bring about anxiety in social situations because of the critical self-dialogue, worrisome thoughts, and the expectations you hold based on your insecurities, and of course, fear of rejection. Something that I recommended to Kara that I want to also share with you because it is an important strategy to help you to overcome anxiety in the presence of another person or in settings with several others. I encourage you to name what you are experiencing, whether to yourself or aloud to others. When Kara's date asked her if anything was wrong, It would have been a natural segue and an honest answer to name the anxiety she was feeling. When you name it, a few things happen. First, you no longer need to work so hard to suppress the anxiety symptoms which cause you to feel awkward and uncomfortable and that take up a lot of your inner resources in order to attempt to appear calm and in control. You can now focus completely and intently on helping yourself manage the symptoms with the right strategies and techniques. Second, you've also just named the pink elephant in the room, which makes you real and human and vulnerable, just like the rest of us. And others will respect your honesty and transparency. The third thing that happens once you name a problem is that the brain, so beautifully designed and equipped to help us problem-solve, begins to immediately focus on the solution to the problem. But you must decide first upon what solution you want. You can solve a problem once you name it, and as you make a decision about what is wanted. For Kara to admit that she was feeling social anxiety and that she had experienced this before— was an honest answer to the question she was asked. If on that second date, Kara made the decision to feel calm and comfortable, regardless of the anxiety that was still present, she could then mobilize her thoughts and focus on what she could do to calm herself and to feel at ease. This is the foundation of how I work with clients helping them to identify what they want, what is the desired outcome, brings them that much closer to finding a solution and to feeling better. There can be a benefit to understanding your symptoms and what is causing what you are feeling, but there is no benefit to continue in a debilitating feeling. When you identify feeling anxious and then make a conscious decision towards how you wish to feel, You have set in motion the steps to alleviate your current state. And as well, most people who you confide in will understand and even relate to your experience. They may also jump in with empathy and suggestions to help. When Kara told her date that nothing was wrong, she recounted to me how he had a perplexed look on his face. Social anxiety is visible. Kara in particular happens to show her emotions on her face, and it is easy to tell when she is thinking about something or if she is closing down as she inwardly tries to hold everything together. 
I explained to her, as I would with all clients, that when you are honest, it helps to build rapport and trust, especially as she truly liked this person. I also encouraged Kara to come clean the next time they spoke, to name her anxiety and why her initial reaction was to cover it up. Most of us are quite good at sensing when someone is not comfortable. We can hear it in their voice and see it in their body language, not to mention the other social cues that reveal uncomfortable feelings. And let's talk for a moment about the several types of treatment available for social anxiety, whether you experience it occasionally or if you have the criteria that is reflective of social anxiety disorder. Treatment options include cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. CBT is an evidence-based psychological treatment that was developed through decades of scientific research and has been shown to be one of the most effective treatments for anxiety problems. It is a model that I predominantly use in my work with clients. CBT helps you learn how to control anxiety through relaxation and breathing, and how to replace negative and fearful thoughts with accurate and realistic thoughts that empower you to take action towards what is wanted. I call this challenging and changing your thoughts and creating new scripts, which help you prepare for situations where you may feel anxious or uncomfortable so that the impact will be significantly lessened. Also, self-talk, which is a part of cognitive behavioral therapy and a great treatment option for social anxiety. Encouraging and reassuring self-talk is a tool that clients learn in our sessions together. It is first important to be aware of your existing self-talk or inner dialogue, because this, of course, is how you generate how you feel. And it is your thoughts and perceptions, whether true or untrue, that cause anxiety. Exposure therapy. This type of therapy helps you gradually face social situations rather than avoiding them. In exposure therapy, this often includes behavioral experiments that we collaboratively discuss and which challenge you to support yourself in settings that you can practice new behaviors as you grow confidence in your ability. And there's also group therapy, which is interesting because some would find it more difficult to go to a group therapy class. However, some people prefer group therapy with a focus on learning social skills and techniques to interact with people in social settings. It can be helpful to have therapy with others who have the same fears that make you feel less alone. And group therapy gives you a chance to practice your new skills through role-playing. So how do you know what you have? Is it the natural anxiety that we all sometimes feel in certain social situations that may last only a few minutes? and that is typically infrequent? Or is your anxiety in public and social settings becoming debilitating? 
If you believe that your anxiety is problematic, I would suggest completing the online self-assessment tool for social phobia or social anxiety disorder that I will link up in the description. It's meant to give you more information that you would then take to your medical practitioner to discuss treatment options. Please remember that CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is the number one listed treatment modality, whether in conjunction with medication or on its own. If you wish to have my help, please book a free discovery session and I will be happy to go over a simple plan that can help for when you feel anxious in social situations. We can use this plan in addition to medication that you have been prescribed or on its own. Please just reach out to me and let me help. Thank you so much for listening. Sending you great love. This is Dorothy. Namaste. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the Wisdom Podcast. To hear more, please check out the other episodes right here. And I'd love for you to subscribe and share your feedback on this or any episode with me. And then join me at DorothyRatusny.com, where you'll find the wisdom blog, the inspiration for this podcast, the latest online courses that I teach, my YouTube videos, and the wisdom archives, which are an extensive library of guided meditations, mindfulness musings, spiritual teachings, and best therapeutic practices for your whole being, and to nourish and heal your life, plus many other special offerings of love. Please also visit me on social media and say hello. Allow yourself to go within, to access your inner wisdom, and to live this. Awaken your authentic power. Live your truth and be love. Thank you. This is Dorothy.